A girl reached out to me recently who cuts herself. This was a scary thing to hear because I don't have any experience dealing with this problem. I don't know what to do. I didn't know what was wrong with her. So I made an assumption, the obvious one. She must hate herself. She must be doing this so that she can punish herself, destroy herself. It's a self-image issue that she has. And she stuns me by saying, no, that's only a minor part of the issue. The main reason why I am doing this is because I need control. And I don't understand at all. Control of what? How could this possibly help you control anything? And she says it helps her control herself during an emotional episode. When an emotion swells up inside her body and takes over her consciousness and fills her full of bad energy. Slashing through her skin is like pinching herself when she's in a dream. It helps her focus her mind and escape these moods that are haunting her. And this set off a light bulb in my mind regarding the Jungian attitude towards emotions that made me realize I could help her after all. Now, just think about what she is doing. It's very logical. This is her way of managing her emotions. And it may seem extreme, but simply think about how nature has designed emotions to work. You see, nature's no ludicrous idealist. She knows that you are a lazy, comfort-seeking, consuming Reddit simp. And she knows that the only way to get you to do anything is by filling you full of tension and discomfort until you get your fucking arse up and do something. When you're hungry, she fills you with all these horrible urges that make you run to the shop and stuff your tendies down your throat. She injects you with an uncomfortable emotion to try get you to do something and all that you feel is like, I need to make this go away. How do I make this go away? Whatever this emotion wants, I will give it. I just want it to go away. I want to be back to comfort again. I want to feel normal. Now, obviously, she is trying to help you when you're in a dangerous situation. She injects you with a huge amount of tension to get you to instinctively do something and not waste your time thinking. This can save your life, but it has a downside. Sometimes Mother Nature's zap can be so intense and strong that you're left in shock and perhaps even scarred. You might calm down. You might go back to even being peaceful, but haunting you is this energy still trapped within you. The zap has not escaped your body. And it might manifest in extreme feelings that would drive you to do crazy things to yourself. Now, in order to get this girl to face these energies that are haunting her, I need to give her a perspective that helps her understand what is happening. So I tell her a story. You see, long ago, she was a child with an open heart, running around, experiencing life. Life was a magical place full of color, where everything was okay. But of course, life has a dark side. People die, parents divorce, friends betray you, lovers reject you. And it's only a matter of time before any child with this open heart and this open mind gets bitten 
but one of these harsh realities. Because you were open-hearted, this sting hurts even more. And so this leaves you in shock. You curl up and develop a hard outer shell so that you can heal the vulnerable middle. Now Nietzsche said reasons bring relief and that's precisely what you look for here. You ask yourself, what happened? Why did this happen to me? What does this mean? What's going on? I was once walking around this perfect Garden of Eden, but then it's like the entire kingdom got taken over by a dark force. And though everyone else is acting like nothing has changed, I know that evil exists. And so you run up into your safe space, the tall tower up inside your head where you can make sense of what went on. And up there is a magician. And now this magician, he will sit there and he will blather on to you for ages about what is happening to you. He'll have lots of theories. He'll take you over to the window of the tall tower and he'll point down at the world of trauma and emotions and he'll cast magic spells. He'll package them all into lovely little jargonized words that help you make sense of what happened to you without having to feel it. That tension, oh, that's your anger. That heaviness you feel, that is your depression. And they won't be able to get you at all if you stay up here with me forever. And of course, you'll find this magician's words soothing up to a point. But then one day something will happen which will trigger this bad energy to come surging up the stairwell of the tall tower and batter on the door. And all of a sudden, the words of the magician will feel impotent and you will need something drastic to make this pain go away. And you might turn to chemicals or you might turn to self-harm. Now, if we can just wriggle out of the corset of the modern scientific paradigm and see things from this weird and funky perspective, we can begin to understand why the ancients might have understood this as a haunting. This energy, these bad experiences, they get stored in our nervous system and they get summoned up by certain triggers and they whoosh into our consciousness and torture us. And as we discussed earlier, Mother Nature fills you full of this tension so that you are driven towards doing the things she wants you to do, things that will bring you towards life. And the key to this is a ritual. When you are filled full of anxiousness and lust for someone beautiful, the ritual Mother Nature is trying to push you towards is the sacred ritual of sex, the creation of life. When hate sizzles through your nervous system and fills you full of fire, nature is driving you towards the horrible sacred ritual of violence where you defeat your enemy and take from them everything that they are and move it towards your own power. And the human experience is defined by the struggle between these two forces. In the one hand, you do not want your mind to be swallowed by these outside forces that will possess you and have you act like an animal. Yet, release from the unexplainable tensions and tortured storms that exist within your soul cannot be achieved 
without you surrendering yourself over to them and giving them possession of your very being. And ideally we'd live like animals. We'd let it all out and shake it off, water off a duck's back. When emotions would hit us, they wouldn't stay within us. We'd get rid of them quick. But our failure to do this is what leads to this strange haunting, this strange carrying of a chip on our shoulders, a pain in our heart from an ancient breakup, a crink in our neck from that shockwave that ran through our nervous system when our dad slapped us for the first time. The all-too-human experience of carrying astral whiplash, having made it through the days of our childhood and being baptized in the fire of the world. And all of this is tightened into a dense knot by our unwillingness to re-experience that pain. You see, this energy is discomfort, it's tension, and nobody likes pain. Nobody wants to face pain. No one wants to experience that pain. We don't want to let in that trauma so that we can go through it again. We want to avoid it. But as Jung noticed, that which you shove into your unconscious and refuse to face will haunt you and drive your life as if you're getting controlled by a destiny. And so, my hypothesis regarding this girl who self-harms is that that behavior, hurting herself, taking a blade to her skin, is a ritual being driven by some type of energy, and perhaps my role is to exercise it out of her. And so my first goal is to get her to open the door of the tall tower and step back down into the chaos. Boyos and boyettes, welcome, welcome, welcome. Let us begin our odyssey into the nature of the human mind through this proxy, which is this lady that we are talking about. Now, she presented herself to me in a very, very interesting way because, you know, when you want to get to know someone, you always ask them, well, what's your story? Where are you coming from? Where are you going? What's going on here? And she did something that I see quite a lot in most people when I'm talking to them. She presented the more abstract version of her life. She she presented herself almost as like a philosophical machine trying to work out various philosophies. And so each stage of her life was presented in this is what I was philosophically going through. Now, this, of course, is probably the bias of my audience because we we talk about, you know, bookworm stuff up here. But nonetheless, it is a thing, a prescient thing that I think we can use as a as a doorway, a portal to get into the most profound truths ever discussed on YouTube. And this is all about the idea of the left brain as usual. Yes, I am back. I am here to talk about the left brain. Believe me, this one is going to be extremely, extremely mean to the left brain. If you if you want, if you like watching the UFC and you like watching things get beaten up, I would stick around because my God, we're going to punch this left brain to, to an absolute asunder. It's going to be disgusting. It's going to be like a 13 second knockout you know no it definitely won't it's gonna be like an hour i'd say <laughs> i'm not known for my laconic lectures so let's put it that way 
all right, so this girl, she, she, um, I, ask, I ask her about herself. Tell me about yourself. And she presents to me these philosophies. And it's, it's, it's quite interesting because this is the typical stuck-in-your-head problem, the typical Descartes problem. The mind and the body are separated. And what this does, which is so interesting, is it shows you the way someone is thinking about themselves. Okay, so what's your life like? Instead of saying, oh, well, you know, I had a dramatic experience with my mother and all these, these, this drama, it's almost like a little movie, if you will. These are the, the high points and these are the low points and these are the dramatic points and whatever. Instead, what you get is a sort of, it's almost like the, the, the body and the drama of your life and all those relationships that get in the way are almost like a little vessel that, are, that is carrying around this sacred mathematical computer. And what this computer is doing, the left brain, is sitting up there and it's processing the world. It's trying to understand the world. It's trying to put together philosophies. And when you ask someone what they are, you know, you are that disembodied rational soul, that, that computer up there that's trying to figure out the nature of things. And so you, you, you look over your life as like what that computer was figuring out at each point of your life. And that's quite an interesting thing. Like we watch movies like, you know, the Stephen Hawkins movie. And it's, it's, it's like a study of this, this great intellect as he's, he's wrestling through theories. And it's, it's all very, very fascinating stuff because, you know, theories are important. But there is a sort of severedness to it. Stephen Hawking, for example, was someone who was very disembodied. His body was literally a burden on this great intellect of his. Now, that's not a good thing. You don't want to be like Stephen Hawking. You actually want to have a full embodied experience. And there's incredibly heavy and serious risks when you have this type of division. And the reason why I'd say that is because we, we'd like to think that what we can do is we could we could probably, you know, get the routines going, maybe, I don't know, pl- make some type of soylent and just like plug it into our bellies so we, we never have to eat and just keep the body fed. And then maybe like we sit in some conveyor belt and it just brings us out in the sun for 20 minutes each day and puts us back inside. And then we can kind of, you know, put on a VR headset and just vanish off into the rational world where there is no problems, the abstract world where there is no dirty, messy things of life and whatnot. And and that that would be better because obviously the rational world and the, the conscious mind is supreme over this dirty world of drama relationships and the, the felt experience in the body and whatnot. And we'd like to think that, and even I find this when talking to these type of people, which is like me included, is that we have this almost arrogance and assumption that the rational mind is supreme and in control of this lower world. But of course, this girl presenting herself as this philosophical set of this the set of philosophical theses trying to work itself out she actually had a very very rich and vivid and intense underworld the disembodied floating moon over the ocean was prone to giant dragons swelling up out of the ocean these big moods grabbing her and causing her to hurt herself causing her to do self-harm causing her to get possessed, suggesting that there's, there's, there's a lot more control in the body than she thinks. Well, she, she knows this, of course. <laughs> I shouldn't actually say that at all. But, but um, more than m- maybe we would assume, you know, or maybe we, 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 in our paradigm we assume. And this is um, all to do with a, a form of a focus and understanding of the world. It's actually almost like dimensions, if you will. We, we are very prone to getting one-dimensional and having this rational understanding of our world, when in fact our world is very, very multi-dimensional. The way I would describe this is it's almost like, a, it's like an inability to see. It's a, it's a blinding that goes over your eyes. You, you look at the world and you can only see what the left brain or the ego or the rational Descartes and Cartesian mind wants to see, which is the information. 
But in fact, there's so much more to it. Think of a symphony. You could have a symphony orchestra and then you could have a singer. And the singer is like roaring some beautiful melodies out of its mouth. But you, in your focus, only get the story. And so me and you go to this symphony and I'm hearing all this rich music. And I'm hearing these beautiful melodies coming out of the singer. And I don't even understand the singer. Like, I don't even understand Latin or, or Italian. Um, but then we come out of it and I say, what did you think of that? And you'd be like, yeah, it was a really good story. And I'm, I'm sort of like, okay, yeah, all right, I guess the story is part of it. Watching the music and you're like, what, what music? Oh, yeah, that kept on getting in the way. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to hear the, 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 the words, but, you know, he, like that, the, the, the swell would get in the way. It's kind of, oh, it's kind of annoying how that would get, keep on getting in the way. And, and you're kind of thinking, but, but the music was like most of the experience. Can, like, do you, I don't even need the words to kind of get what's going on there, you know. You can, you can experience it in a different way. And this is the, the very, very interesting thing is that so many people get trapped and stuck in their heads, unable to experience the music of life. And I'm proposing here that that's because the life hurts and we close ourselves off from that. And I'm going to explore why that might happen. But the thing is, is that even though we make that mistake of closing ourselves off from it, and it's a very, very natural mistake, it doesn't mean that we're free because no matter what we think, it's just that we've tuned out of the dimension of the radio channel. It's still playing. The music is still going. Just because we've kind of, we've, we've lifted off like a, a star or a moon into the abstract world of philosophy and thought doesn't mean that the ocean beneath us is swelling up to grab us. And there's something very, very scary about what's going on in that ocean beneath is that it's full of, of energy and power and it's so much so that it can actually swallow up the, the ego, the, the rational thinking Cartesian mind. And it's driven by this habit of ritual that it will, it will swell up and make you do stuff against your will. It will make your body do stuff against your rational will if your rational, rational mind does not have control. And so we're here to talk about how we can get a little bit more control and it is actually begin. The premise is about surrendering the arrogance of your perspective so that you can get greater understanding and greater control. And so with this girl... She had this separation, like most of us do, she, this mind-body separation. It was quite strong. And the reason why, obviously, she was separating is because it's the felt experience of life hurts. And there's something very, very hurt inside of her, something very, very in pain. And so I ask her, I'm talking to her like, all right, well, what's the last time you had a big emotional experience? And she, she would say sort of in the, yeah, I was angry because of this, these reasons, these abstract reasons. And you, you'd imagine that's the way you go about it. All right, tell me the reasons. And you sit there and you talk about the reasons for a while. And it's like, all right, you're fixed. All right, that's cool. But of course, this whole right brain, left brain thing is if we want to get into what actually happens when you get angry, we need to think a lot more in terms of get, understanding the symphony of what goes on. And of course, the symphony is a little story told in a dramatic way through a chunk of time. It's not like the abstract theory, and this might be kind of weird, I know, but it's not like sort of like, oh, I was angry for this reason. That actually doesn't matter as much as you think. It was, it's more to do like, it's more to do with the, the felt experience of what's going on. So we're going to talk about it here. So I get her to walk through how this, this anger happens. And of course, as all things are happening nowadays, it comes from the phone. So she's sitting there and she's in her normal state of consciousness. You know, the nice rational ego, the 
Cartesian mind is there floating and thinking about stuff, processing stuff, jabbering on about philosophy, whatever it's doing. And then the you're flicking through the phone. She's flicking through the phone. She sees someone she's she's jealous of and she's angry of. And she gets a jolt of lightning. What? what how does that happen? Okay, so she's flicking through this thing and she's in normal consciousness. And then she, she, she hits a sort of trigger. And it's weird. When she sees this thing, there's a jolt of lightning out of the sky and it hits the, the water, the unconscious, if you want, the water underneath it. And then there's this, there's this like big shaky, you know, the tide or something like that. The water gets unsettling. And now it's starting to get a little bit scary. There's something wrong. And, it's, and maybe you can hear this like deep echo down at the very bottom. Something's not good. And, and so suddenly in the body, in our nervous system, in the unconscious, in the, in the felt world of the ocean, there's, there's now a rumbling going on. She's been jolted and it's moving around in her body and she's not quite aware because what happens is then the philosophical mind starts ticking away, explaining reasons and jabbering onto itself and telling itself all these silly stories. But that's not what's really going on. What's really going on is like the symphony. There's now a, a big, scary low note after happening. And it starts to build up. And of course, as it's building up, it's in control of your body. And so it makes her do stuff. So she gets up and she starts pacing around. She starts pacing around in sort of, you know, frantic thinking mode. And she's trying to figure out what to do. She's trying to, like a, ma a mathematical machine, you know, it's trying to coordinate what's going on. What's putting stuff together? What, what do I do? What's the right action here? But of course she's fucked because this, this tide, this energy is now about to take control. So she, she is no longer in control. Her, her rationalizing mind is just jibber-jabber. It's like someone who's caught up on a, in a wave. They can talk about what's happening to them all they want, but they, they won't be able to stop the wave. The wave is what's going on. And then what happens is the, the, the dragon bursts up. So she, she, this, this, this person who's triggered her, it, it eventually swells up into a, a mood, a rage. You know, it bursts out of the unconscious, out of the nervous system and swallows up her mind. And it suddenly takes control of her mind. It might take control of her, her chest or something like that. Have her hunch forward. She, she, her, her eyes, she can't really pay attention. A couple of minutes ago, she was thinking about philosophy. And now right now, her thoughts are just racing through the idea of that, that bitch. What, what did she do to me? All this type of stuff. And she's trapped. And she's like now possessed like a zombie. She's walking around. She's not even thinking straight. She's not even herself. She's now been taken over by this thing from beneath, by this being from beneath. And what does she find herself doing? She finds herself holding a knife. Just like she used to do when she was self-harming a lot more. She's holding the knife. Because the pattern has been forced her this direction. She's been forced to a ritual. A ritual for dealing with this problem. She's been forced in that direction. And so this lives inside of her. This, this, it's almost like, it, and then she calms down, obviously, and puts the knife down. And she relaxes. But it, it's like, you know, she's lost an hour and a half of her day from this possession. And she's like, she's maybe even a bit tired afterwards as well. She got swallowed up by this energy. And so inside of her nervous system, inside of her is this, this beast. And if the right trigger comes along, it will, it will awaken it, and then this beast won't go away until a ritual is fulfilled. Like I was saying, you know, you see a, you see a pretty girl, and, or, a, or a handsome boyo, and this beast will awaken inside of you, and, and it won't quite be satisfied until you either accept that you're not going to have them, or you demand that, that there is some type of a beautiful ritual of, of procreation taking, taking place of some sort. And so that's, that these, these monsters live inside of us, you know? And in some sense, 
Mother Nature has put them there, as I said, for certain reasons of getting you to do stuff, to animate you. But in another sense, they can also get mixed up with some very, very bad energies. And so my job as the, the, the exorcist is to try call up that dragon and deal with it. Because a lot of people, when they have these problems, they might have this mood that leads them to a ritualistic behavior such as self-harm. Or what, what can often happen is you will, have a, you, will, you will beat yourself up in your own head by, by these type of moods. So you, you see something uh, on the phone as usual and it triggers you and then you beat yourself up and you think you're a piece of crap and you hate yourself. And, that, and then that's your little ritual. You know, it's this self-flagellation inside your own mind. This voice in your head says you're a piece of shit, you're pathetic, you're the worst person ever. And you're beating yourself up in that sense. And there's a variety of ways this stuff can manifest. Fetishes, um, this, uh, addictions, all this type of stuff, you know. And there's decent evidence to show that even depression and all this. is, is, is a Childhood trauma is three times more likely to lead to schizophrenia, you know. Or leave someone three times more likely to become schizophrenic. All these type of things are, are wrapped into this idea of these, these, these demons, these hauntings. And our question is that, all right, this lives in our nervous system and it's not how it normally should be. We're carrying something almost worse than usual. How do we get it out? How do we get rid of it? How do we exercise it? And so this is when you go in and you do the scary thing. Because most people, they want to cast magic spells at it. They want to talk about mats. They want to throw jargon at it. Oh, that's a personality disorder. Oh, that's a depression. Oh, that's an anxiety. Oh, that's this, that's that. They want to wrap it up into little boxes that keeps them safe, that puts it far away, because that's what they want. They don't want the dragon to get them, even though it already is. They don't want the dragon to get them, because that's scary, because it hurts. Because it's a fucking dragon, man. Like, you don't want that to happen. So you, you, you try to throw boxes at it, try these magic spells, wrap it up in this grammar, these words and all this. And as much distance from it as you can. Anything to keep you trapped or keep you safe in that Cartesian ego up there that you have, your left brain. But of course, the, the trick is actually to feel it. To actually let it in and, and let it into your body and let it take you over. And that's a weird thing to say, isn't it? But you see, it's already happening to you. And if you think about it, it's, it's like emotions are quite simple things. They're energy that is put inside of you. And you are like a closed system. And if this energy can't get out, it's like a pinball machine. It will just fly around and it'll be bouncing everywhere. And it might, it might go into your unconscious, so it's not a problem right now. But it will come back up if, if triggered. And it will come back up with vengeance. It will sour, as Nietzsche says. These, 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 these emotions, they, they twist and they fester into something more pernicious and intense than before. And of course, the, the, the master morality, the, the clean way of dealing with your emotions is to let them out naturally like an animal, like a lion, you know, not have any, any of these mental blocks. But of course, humanity is a complex animal and we have this ability to hold ourselves back. And this ability to, 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 to grab an impulse and an emotion and, and seize it with a firm fist and say, you're not just going to express yourself like that. You're going to hold yourself back. Maybe for the reason of you're, you're being careful because you're like a predator or maybe because you're, you're afraid like you're a prey. And regardless of what it is, you, 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 you hold it back and you keep that tension inside your body and it rolls around like a pinball machine stuck in your nervous system, stuck in your unconscious. And you need to release it somehow. And the trick is actually to do what was it was originally designed to do. Let the energy out. You, 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 you ritualize it in some sense. And this is, a, this is a weird idea, but it is actually a very, very logical idea. You know, energy goes in, energy must come out. Energy can't be destroyed. You can't, you can't, your body can't just chew up the energy and get rid of it. 
It will, it will, it will wound you in order to do that. And this is what stuff like this is. And so the question then becomes about how do, well, how do you get catharsis and the, the trick? And catharsis is literally that ancient Greek word of, of, of um, relief. You know, this is what Aristotle noticed, and we're going to talk about that in a bit. Well, how do you do that? Why do you do that? What, do you, what, what, what causes that to happen? And of course, it's about letting the symphony take over. Oftentimes, you have this distanced understanding of your life. But when you actually wrap up into it, you know, you, you have this very adult and you'll look back at your past, at your childhood and be like, oh, I was so silly back then. Or, oh, that wasn't that big of a deal. Now that I look at it, you know, when my parents divorced, like it's not that big of a deal. Like, you know, everybody's parents divorce. And of course, that's true. It's very, very rational of you and very, very mature and, and big brained. But think about it in terms of a drama. We're trying to make a movie, movie me and you. So I dive back into your childhood and I, I, I throw away this silly left brain rationalizing stuff and I get locked up in the symphony, you know? So forget about the story that the singer's saying and, and judging the story for how rational or irrational it is. Let's actually just get caught up in the story, in the drama and feel like that little kid where mom and dad say that they're never going to be friends again and then you lose everything now. And that, that's, that sucks, man. That, that destroys people because that's the end of your world. And, and this puts all the shock inside of you. This is the weirdest stuff ever. Like, dad suddenly leaves. And it's like, wait a second, what, what do you mean he's gone forever? What do you mean things are never going to be the same? That confuses a kid. And that, that, that's like this... <gasps> that's that shock. You get hit by the, the, the scariness of life. And you put it inside yourself. And you don't know what to do because it's so scary. You don't know what to do. You're, you're reacting like the prey animal that we are. Half of us, anyway. And you, you freeze. And you stay frozen for a while. And then you never really let it out properly. And it stays with you forever. And in order for you to let it out, you actually have to ask that to come back up. You have to give it time. You have to play the drama out. You have to be symphonic about it. You have to approach this like an artist. You have to let the dragon scream. And so you exercise it. You scream and you let it out. And you let the energy out. And finally, it gives you that feeling of relief. You go through it again. You take it into consciousness. You just feel it in a right-brained way. And this explains a lot about a various phenomenon. And of course, doing it with, like, for example, someone like this girl and, and bullying her in this direction, it can be incredibly, she's like, wow, that, that's really, it's a, it's a great weight off my chest. I often hear stuff like that, which is, which is so interesting, you know? And, and think about, I, like, I hear this so much as well when I'm talking to people and trying to get them into the felt experience. So much of this crap is carried in their chests. It's like we store all this stuff and then when we use those that language like weight off your chest, that's the, the antithesis to that. That's the freedom, you know? You, 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 it's like you're putting off a bag. I had a dream once where I had this bag on my back and I used to store my, my various angers inside of it. And then uh, that bag really, really started to get heavy so I gave it to a girl and, <laughs> and, and she opened it up to look inside of it and it turned her into a housewife. <laughs> So I, I, I'm, there's there's a lot of perhaps uh, Freudian directions you could go with that, but but that's a great example. The anger bag, you know, the anger bag around your back that's like a weight on your shoulders that's holding you down, that's putting pressure on you, and letting that anger bag out, opening it up, and letting it into your body, and letting yourself experience it, and almost ritualizing it if you want, and and letting the memories out. It's like this this magic ability to let it exercise out, and you get free. You, you, the feeling gets free. It's that relief. 
similar to s- such sacred things as the, the orgasm or the, the 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 ritual of violence. You know, you fight someone. And you hear Conor McGregor talk about this. He, it's it's like he 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 relaxes after he fights because there's something. There's a massive amount of tension you're after letting go there. And as I said, Mother Nature has made us into monsters where we, we, life is going to fill us with this te- this tension. So ideally, you know, we'd float off into the rational world where there is no tension. But that's not not like it's not going to happen anyway anytime soon. So I think you and I should take a serious, serious attitude towards the pragmatic problem, which is how do we help ourselves relieve, re- release the tension? And of course, the approach is to be artistic. And this is answered or proven or shown in why we cry at movies. Why do you think we cry at movies? It's a weird thing. It's just like silly things on the screen. But of course, we all cry at them. Why? Well, because these angers, these demons, they come up by various triggers and they they want stuff so you're sitting there and you're talking about philosophy and then of course the 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 phone triggers this this dragon to come up and then this dragon comes up and it's it's this energy these energies are so interesting they're like the gods they want something you know when anger when aries comes up he wants you to fight when aphrodite comes up she wants you to make love when Zeus comes up, he he wants you to take control. And Vulcan comes up, he wants you to create something. And these all live within you. And and these are crazy monsters. These instincts, they're crazy monsters that are pulling you apart. And your tragic job is you have to be like you have to be like Zeus or or, or Apollo or, or or Christ. And you have to try order all this madness inside of you. You're a little crazy pagan, and you have to try whip yourself into some type of some type of order, you know. And so a hierarchy of your soul, that's, that's the key. And so what happens is this, this thing gets jolted and then Aries comes up or this, this dragon comes up or this demon comes up or this bad childhood trauma comes up, whatever you want to call it. And it comes up and it demands that you do something. It demands that you, 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 you do something to, to let that energy out, to fix that energy. Now, ideally, ideally, if you were like, you know, the master of the world and you could just kill people 007 style, you would beat the crap out of the person who, who made you feel bad. And that would be that horrible expression of energy. You would express your rage into them, onto them, and it would eat them up. It would eat them alive. And suddenly your, your competition would be done. And you would be the winner. It's a very, very natural way of orientating things. Watch lions and two male lions fight. They get angry. They fight each other. And one lion wins and the other loses. And then the one lion who wins goes on in life as the strongest. And that's nature's savage unequal way of deciding how they create beautiful lions because the best lion wins therefore lions get better each generation scary but reality you know and so this is what our energies want and of course when they cannot be achieved in this way they 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 force themselves out in other ways they have to come out in some sense and so as i said something like self-harm makes perfect sense in this context it's a way for anger to get out i can't project my anger onto someone else I can't let this energy out into someone else. I don't even understand what this wants. And so I do something where I rip a blade through my own skin. I inject the destructive energy, the the roar onto myself. And it can happen in a litany of different things with a litany of different emotions. They all have their various demands. But a very, very interesting thing about art and about stuff like movies is that if you can put on stage something that represents that emotion, a special type of trigger. You put an angry person there. So first of all, you, you present a character like a boyo and everybody identifies with them. They, they, they empathize with them. They feel for them. 
They connect with them. Oh, he's just like me. Oh, he reminds me of myself. And then all these terrible things happen that make him angry. And then you get angry as well. You bond and you feel the anger and it's called up out of you. And suddenly all that rage you were feeling is, 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 is inside of you now. It's like this, this, this movie very secretly is, is calling that, um, the, 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 the dragon out of your unconscious. And then suddenly it's up with you as well. And then through what happens on film, you move along with it. And if, if the ritual can be completed on film, if he, he fights someone, you will feel that energy. You will feel the, 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 the lust of, 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 of brutal, brutal murder or something like that. Whatever they do on the film, you will feel it through your own body. And you will get a release from that, a really, really weird release. And you'll, you'll really like the character there afterwards. And the same way as if something tragic happens to someone. You bond with it strongly. And then you cry. I remember I used to always cry at this film. I could never understand why. I didn't understand why it was such a big deal. But there's something immensely profound about what happens to Mel Gibson at the end of this film. Um, Because William Wallace, he he gets, you know, he gets gets crucified, essentially. Hung, drawn and quartered. The British version of crucifixion. And it's a brutal murder. It's a brutal death. It's horrible. But he, like the key of the film is that he doesn't break, you know. He He doesn't let his energy break. And that actually spoke to me. In, in a way I'd never understand, even now I can barely understand it. In a way to me, it was almost like he, he, he represented perfectly the human spirit, the human fight, the human will. And it would it'd bring me to tears, you know? It was calling out of me something that was deep inside me that I didn't understand. And great art has this ability. And so that word catharsis, well, first of all, on the personal level, when you go through your life and you get into the drama of it, and you really feel the drama of it, 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 it can have that effect. It's like your own secret little, um, secret little play, secret little film that makes everything better and gives you that catharsis that we're looking for, that release that we're looking for. Like when you massage a muscle and it relaxes, you know, you the pain, the pain, the pain, ow, 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 it's gone. Whew, that feels better. It's a little bit warm now. And there's a relief as well, a massive relief. The, the yin to the yang, if you will. And of course, the, the Greeks... With it. They, they had the original version of cinema and they had it even more sophisticated, you know. So they got, this is where Aristotle coined the concept of catharsis, relief, you know, release, if you will. And they would all congregate in this, these, these podiums here and watch people do theatre, play. This is where we get the word theatre from. And they, they would represent the gods. They would act like Ares and they would act like Aphrodite and they would act out the stories. And these stories were mythological. So over thousands of years, people realized that these emotions work in certain patterns. And they're all contradictions and they're all woven together in very complex ways. And so Greek mythology is like this giant super story, this giant world and collection of the emotions themselves represented as, as dramatic narratives. And then when you play these out for people, it calls out of them all these emotions, all these problems, all these typical problems that we find in the world. And it gives them great relief. It, it, it allows them to experience, allows them to, to it's, almost like a, it's almost like a state mandated massage program for the people, a spiritual massage program. And this is the sophistication of a religion. This is the sophistication of a mythology that Richard Dawkins could just never even comprehend. It is one of the single most intelligent and sophisticated things humanity has ever created. And the thing is, we didn't even create it intentionally. It's like art, it came to us. 
And the, the, the Greeks to this day stand as a testament to that. Freud and Jung loved Greek mythology. It was a very, very, very common way to, uh, to frame your, your, your studies. And of course, Freud comes up with the narcissist idea. That's a Greek myth. Oedipus is a Greek myth as well. And, and this is the sort of theory behind all this stuff that we're, we're, we're it's, it's weirdly like these guys would look at this stuff and be like, it's so weird how, you know, this common um, childhood pattern where we're too attached to the mother and we're, we're afraid to kill our dad and go out and be, be grown men. That's so similar to the Oedipal thing. Well, of course it is because the Oedipal thing came from the same thing. It's all rooted in the, the drama and the dance of the emotions. And of course, rationally understanding that does nothing for us. That's, that's not, it's not really a huge help. The huge help is actually getting the emotional catharsis, actually going through the drama, actually seeing the Oedipal complex play out in a sort of drama, either in ourselves or in, in, a, in, in something like a, a, a shared myth. Now, obviously, this free healthcare system is incredibly sophisticated, incredibly sophisticated, incredibly smart. Bernie Sanders would be chuffed if he saw this. But of course, we are materialists, so we actually don't value this at all. We don't think this is even real. We don't even have a perspective where we can see this because we are imprisoned by the left brain. And so what we do is we say, oh, why would we waste time on that? No, they're just films. They're just, it's just films. It's not that big of a deal. And, and we, don't, we don't take it that serious. And of course, we say, well, if we wanted to give people health care, if we wanted to help people, give people a free healthcare system, it'd be a materialistic one. We get them all those chemicals they need, you know, that make the pain go away. Instead of this more sophisticated understanding of how to actually release the energy that is trapped inside of you so it dissipates in the world, what we'll do is we'll fill you full of chemicals that almost like fry your ability to experience the energy. So it's like you, you get ice and you ice over the entire ocean. And so the ocean still swirls underneath, but you ice over it. And as long as you have the, <laughs> the ice, ice machine, the freezer machine, you won't, you won't really have to deal with what's underneath that, which is okay. So you'll be free and you can keep on living your normal life and the rational ego can float there and smash in onto that keyboard, whatever accounts you need to do. You'll be a functional human, but you'll, you'll lose access to the drama. You'll lose access to the, to the depths. And that's a scary thing because the depths, as terrible as they are, add all the color and meaning and animation to your life. So make sure you make a good choice here. And what I'm going to talk to you about is this um, <laughs> this this idea of why these these things getting drawn up, giving us great catharsis, are so important for the correct functioning of your mind, and how this relates to this terrible track record modernity and we our culture has in regards to the 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 vistas of the inner world the mind that is of course the problem of rising depression rates rising opioid rates rising addiction rates and the meaning crisis as people always talk about and how that could be solved or at least a huge amount of it could be taken up by actually I just it's so simple no work no genius idea no you know crunching together all the peer-reviewed studies it's it's none of that stuff it's none of that, so you'll never get anywhere because that's just the left brain running its cycles. The, the key might be a change in perspective, something only the right brain could achieve. And I'm here to talk to you about that, specifically through the lens of schizophrenia. Look at that hair, my God. 
My plan is to uh, keep talking, entrance you with my slow Irish leprechaun lilt. And just when you're in the deepest trance of all, I'll just flop that hair over like a curtain, a veil of illusion. Me and the demiurg will just like pull a trick and you'll look, you'll look at the, you'll look at the YouTube. You'll look at the YouTube, young man. Young, young lady, you'll be looking at the YouTube and there'll be no one there. It'll just be this big hairy blob. You'll be like, what's going on? Am I going crazy? And it'll be like it'll be like the Anabaptist Protestant revolution all over again. Everyone will be like, I heard a voice. I was on YouTube, but there was no one there. I'm going crazy, man. There'll be massive revolutions. This huge, this huge swaying of the the consciousness based on some type of mass mass public panic. Yes, this is my plan, and I don't even care that I've told you because it's going to be it's going to work regardless. It's like uh, I can lay seeds of my plan to you, and you still won't even you still won't even wake up. This is how this is how many steps ahead me and the the archons are. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to talk about the extremely serious topic of madness and schizophrenia. It's a quite a difficult topic, quite a scary topic, but it is based on the premise of reality. And I'm going to do what I always do on the Uberboyo channel when you come in and you, you're basically, you're like a, a, a plebeian entering in the Roman Colosseum and down, I am like Maximus, the, I'm like Maximus walking around holding a big sword and right in front of me is the, is the left brain and I'm there beating the crap out of it and then looking up at the emperor and, and he's like the right brain. And and he's like, yeah, just keep kicking that yoke around. That's the state of that yoke. So what we're going to do here is we're going to blame the left brain for schizophrenia. Now, of course, this is just me shooting from the hip. You know, it's just me putting together some data. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not intelligent or real. You should listen to the experts about this. Forget about me. This is me literally just throwing out an idea that you can decide if you believe or not. But it's going to come down to blaming the left brain for getting people out of touch with reality. And so it starts with that question, because what is schizophrenia? Only the propensity towards delusion, this problem where you don't feel like you live in the real world. And then you try to tell people about it and they don't pay attention to you and they say you're crazy, which is obviously very, very frightening. All right. Well, the question is, what is the real world? What is reality? And I don't want to get in a philosophy course here, but reality is a very, very hard thing to pin down. Some people say it's all made of numbers. Some people say it's some type of objective world out there. But let's let's roll with this idea just for the sake of the argument, because we, like the goal here is to beat the left brain up, so we have to go with good principles that give us a solid foundation to give, give the left brain a battering around. So let's go with the idea that the, the world is all this energy, and it's you're, you're kind of screwed because you're stuck inside a skull, assumingly a very, very handsome one, and, and you have evolved to have this sort of team working for you inside your head. You've evolved to have this 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 juicy right brain and this, this very, very matrix-making left brain, and they have two particular jobs. And Well, of course, the problem is, is that inside the skull, you don't really know what's out there. So what you need to do is you, you make eyes, you make a, a mouth, you make smells, you make ears, you make skin. You have these senses that you can connect you with the, the world all right and so this is this is your issue you need to get in touch with the world you need to figure out what's going on out there so your right brain is actually the the boyo the juicy boyo who helps you feel the world it gets you in touch with the world it takes 
all that input in and it's the more embodied part of your of, of this team right it, we see quite a lot of the the jobs that it does seems to be a lot more in alignment with this this idea of embodiment left and um, embodiment in touch with the world in connecting connection with the senses understanding the sort of energetic quality to the world is quite interesting now of course the right brain doesn't operate by itself and you grew a massive left brain for a reason because the right brain is kind of not that it, it, it doesn't do this job which is like actually participating in the in the world so what is this job participating in the world what does why would you need a left brain like if you're just in touch with the reality like a yoga girl you know and you're just sitting there and it's like i'm just open to it i just feel it i don't even need to make any rational decisions at all i don't even need to participate in the meat grinder which is life i can just feel it and then everything will come to me and just make sense and of course this is what your right brain is blathering on about in the corner but of course that's not necessarily practical like as much as i agree with every yoga girl who has ever made any statement at any point while she's out of her mind on coffee i do think that we have to take some some like some cynical and pragmatic ideas that for example we need to make plans we need to set goals we need to participate in the world so you can imagine maybe the right brain as part of this team is like a general that says all right this is what's going on here bro and then the left brain is like the 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 division or the the sergeant that makes a plan and takes action and this is actually very much in alignment with how things work with these two so that the way that the left brain gets you to do stuff is by pumping you full of dopamine perhaps the general the right brain sets you the goal it's it feels it gets in touch with the world and it sees some beautiful girl or handsome boy over there we'll go with the beautiful girl it feels a, a beautiful girl over there in the corner and it says oh this we must have i feel this energetic desire for this type of thing and it says yo left brain go get that girl all right and so the left brain says hmm the sergeant says all right all right good good plan there bro i like that all right so what are we going to do guys and then it makes a a plan and it sets a target and what it does with that target is it injects it full of dopamine all right so in your head you're just like you're just like extremely full attention and an interest in this type of thing you're mo- highly motivated left brain is full of dopamine receptors now what's so interesting about this is of course this is how facebook has brainwashed you this is how all the boyos on the, the social media they've absolutely stolen your mind because what they've done is they've figured out if they put a little number one in front of these uh, notification things you're you'll just feel this massive kick of dopamine it's like what's behind the one what's behind the one what's behind a bang and then the one will open up and then you'll you'll be like oh that's cool and you go away and then you'll see a, you'll see a two or a three or another one come up and you're like what's going on what's going on so you're you're they've they've stolen your left brain they are prisms for the left brain if you want to be free from them you must you must do the boyo pro- program and lobotomize your left brain completely till you're just like a yoga girl high on coffee forever that's the that's the purpose and goal all right and so you get this big kick of dopamine like you get with facebook like you get with this and the left brain sets this out for you it, it constructs an ordered world full of these dopamine kicks that lead you up to the girl and it pushes pushes you towards this it's the little mission what's so interesting is that the emotional most emotions are sort of seem like they're more centered in this 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 right brain place but this the, the emotion that seems to stand out the most in the left brain is anger that that fury you get when you're trying to click the 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 facebook thing but then a pop-up comes and says oh subscribe to this or 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 we can we can we steal your data and sell it to the the archons or something like that and so you get angry you're like get out of my way get out of my way i'm looking for something get out of my way you go into a website and you want to you want to get the juice you want to you know eat the fruit that's on the website and then this pop-up comes and your your anger kicks in and it's the left range you know getting mad this is why internet forums are such joyful places to go you can go on reddit and then 
everybody is there in their little uh, their their little they're 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 telling their theories and the goal is to like say that they're very very smart and prove that they're very very smart and so what happens is they're getting a lot of dopamine by making all these statements that the left brain also just it's it loves talking let's put it that way it loves words and so they're 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 churning out all these words and it feels great and then all these other people come in and be like your words are absolutely correct because i i actually agree with your words and we me and you let's keep saying these words to each other because it feels great feels like we're going somewhere it feels like there's progress it feels like we have a mission and a goal and all that and their left range are just sparked they're they're like in the middle of getting married and then someone shows up and says like uh I actually slightly disagree with your um your 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 idea here and that's like you know they're on a path full of dopamine on a mission and then you come in and you just like trip them up or you stand in the way and be like no here I'd like to have a conversation in a rational way and they're like no bro <laughs> even though we like talking about rationality we don't like we don't like doing it man no way no don't get in the way of our dopamine man and then the anger kicks in and this is why it's it's just such a waste of time getting in arguments because you're not arguing with a part of the there is no part of your brain that's this sort of like disembodied rational um, calculating um, machine mind you know it's very 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 hard to find that part of your brain most of the time it's just like a dopamine thing that you're rationalizing and this is what the left brain does as well it just chatters and talks when you cut the corpus callosum the 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 the, the messaging center between these two things and they become independent you can you can you can get the 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 right brain to touch something and show it to the left brain and obviously the left brain didn't pick it up and it is no idea that, that obviously there's a right brain in there as well you show it to the right brain and uh, sorry show it to the left brain the left brain will make up a reason Oh, I like I like I like balls. I like uh, I like cups. Oh yeah, I, I needed a drink and all that. But that's not why it's theirs because the right brain wanted to pick it up and tease it, and so it rationalizes, makes up fake stories, and this is this is what you're engaging in when you're on Reddit, guys. Do you, do you think the meme is a joke? <laughs> so, what we're seeing here is something quite fascinating, in that. All of this stuff is makes perfect sense. The right brain is in touch with the felt experience. It's got that the emotional expression is richer coming from this thing. It, it, it it's in touch with the world. Those words are impor- important. And also, it is centered on the understanding of empathy. You can imagine when you walk up to the girl and it goes wrong or it goes good or something like that. Your left brain by itself would be like trying to figure out all these details and rationalize a story. And um, her knee is twiggling whatever that means her her she's frowning she's calling these guys called the police like what's going on here i i think this might be bad you know whereas the the right brain can sort of just feel it she walks up and it's like oh i feel i feel her tension i literally feel that she's kind of like a bit unsure or something like that or i feel that she's relaxed and she's she's quite happy to talk to someone who's going up and presenting themselves well and this type of energy is 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 very very easy for you to get in touch with you don't need to explain it to yourself it's a it's a lower but also higher form of engaging with the world more connected version of things you know the yoga girl now this is all well and good and and a properly functioning person has got these two things working for them you're getting in this information and the left brain is helping you make plans and execute them now what happens is when as we said with this girl who self-harms something let me get the the noggin out of the way one second something bad happens you get stung you're very open to the world you're there and you're like absorbing in all the energy and then what happens is you get traumatized something bites you something hurts you the girl screams at you and calls the police the girl shouts at you the girl's boyfriend like drops out of the sky and knocks you unconscious or something like that and then that's a that's a bad thing that that shocks you that that gives you bad energy and suddenly the left brain's plan was a disaster the left brain is freaking out the left brain goes into recoil 
It gets the shock reflex. You might know this if you've ever done psychedelics and heard of someone who freaks out. It's often an awful lot like this. The panic mode that ensues. Oh my God, what just happened to me? And this happens with all forms of trauma, where the left brain, or perhaps just the, the, the you have to realize that you screwed up. JBP is always talking about like, you're, you're in order, man, and then chaos comes. And that's it. You fall into the realm of chaos. You fall into this idea that the sergeant and his military plan towards getting the girl with all his dopamine and all these rationalizations to say that it's a great idea is, is a disaster. You're walking up to the girl and you'll be like, I'm going to say this to her. And you've got all this dopamine attached to this perfect pickup line. And you're going to say it to her and it's going to be great. It's like, hey, boy, oh, redacted alert. And she's like, slaps you. It's like, what does that even mean? Are you, are you listening to too much internet again? My mum told you about you. You wander around here saying, boy, oh, alert to all the girls. What's going on? <laughs> and so there's this important thing to understand. It can be quite a shock for the left brain and the sergeant when he gets caught up in his plan to get, to find out it's wrong. You know, this is what people who have great rational ideas that sound good in theory, when they actually put them into practice and meet, you know, the problems of reality, the, the, the blunders and obstacles in the real world, it can, it can be quite a shock. It can get people very, very mad and frustrated. And that's where the anger comes from. But of course, sometimes if it's too, like if you, you hit the, 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 the boundary too hard, it can be an absolutely devastating shock that can destroy you. And you get fear. And suddenly you, you don't know what's after happening. And this is perfectly logical. It makes perfect sense. And ideally what would happen is you, you shock, you stop. The sergeant says, right, my plan's not right. The general comes in and says, new plan. Oh, and so the general comes in, the, the right brain of chaos. It gets in touch with the world. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. I feel this. Okay, new plan. Say, say juiciness. And then it, it, it works. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You get in touch with the plan and it's a new update. And it's like, oh, whew, thank God we've got a new plan. Order reestablished new dopamine things kicked in into spiral. Now, what happens when this can be an extreme divorce when you're a kid or something like abuse or something like that, something horrific, is that you can withdraw in a very heavy way or a lot of stress. The harder the hit, the more likely you are to just completely get demolished. Everything you knew about yourself is destroyed. Your soul is rattled and, and, and destroyed. And this can lead to a massive withdrawal. And this leads to a very, very weird, perhaps, this is my shooting from the hip idea, a very, very weird behavior where you don't just withdraw into your, your right and left brain. You might actually withdraw into your left brain itself. Okay? So the left brain has a lot of things to indicate that it is the very close approximation to what Jung would have been talking about with the ego. As you hear Jung and Freud always say, hey, look, you think this rational ego is free? There's this whole unconscious out there that's way more juicy than you think. And, and you think you're better than it, but you've really got to pay attention to it. And of course, we, we know that if you cut the corpus callosum, if you cut the brains in half and separate them, they start behaving like two separate forms of consciousness in your head, putting a radical crowbar underneath this idea that you're a single thing inside that noggin. In fact, you are definitely got two things going on inside there. It's been shown, which is scary as hell. And one of them sort of doesn't really talk and lets the left brain do all the work. And that's very, very scary. One of them acts almost like this general that actually sees what's going on, but only interjects when it thinks it's necessary and does this role of getting in, you know, all the intel. It's like the intelligence agency, maybe, or something like that. And so this is, this is very, very scary. And what can happen is that if the left brain gets shocked enough, it might retreat into itself. What? That's so strange. So this ego, this left brain that's more self-aware and hyper-conscious, and, and it's the part that talks inside your head. This was the voice in your head quite a lot, well, I, we can assume. 
all right if it gets really really shocked it might as we said before close itself off from the energetic world coming in through the right brain coming in through the senses and retreat inside its its war room the little sergeant war room inside your head the tall tower inside your head and it can start to say well i gotta recapitulate i gotta re-establish order but of course it's not going to be able to establish order if it's after cutting itself off from the right brain which gives it which feeds it in reality what that's so strange now i know this sounds kind of weird but if you look at one of the most common symptoms among quite a lot of people who have schizophrenia is that problem of of depersonalization and you get this a lot in anxiety as well people who have chronic anxiety tend to get this depersonalization feeling basically that the world is not real I am not real. The world is a cartoon. The world is a parody. PTSD, the same thing as well. These are all people who are either in anxiety going through extreme long-term chronic stress, maybe a low level. And in PTSD and schizophrenia, probably is quite heavy stress. Uh, people who have childhood trauma are three times more likely to develop schizophrenia. Interesting. And one of the symptoms of this is this feeling that like literally you, are not your body. That's another thing that can often come. You probably hear it about body dysmorphia and all that stuff. Schizophrenia can, can bring this symptom that you feel like you're sort of like looking out at the world from this kind of alien spaceship or something like that, that you're, you're not really a part of. Like, and the outside world is fake as well. And this sounds very similar to this idea of losing touch with reality. And literally think of those words, losing touch, losing the right-brained energetic connection with reality. It's very scary stuff. But of course, Jung noticed this quite a bit. What, what sort of happens with schizophrenics is that they withdraw in themselves, this massive withdrawal and, and pulling back from the world. And it almost looks like a panicking sergeant in the war room trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Of course, the left brain can't do this because the left brain needs the, the, the help of the general, the right brain, in order to put together, re-put together reality. But what happens is you retreat into this left brain, you start to distrust even the unconscious part of yourself, and you sit there and you try to hypothesize the nature of the world. You become a paranoid theorist in your head. You try to say, well, what's going on out there? What's going on out there? What's going on out there outside the skull? Is this real? Is this real? And you do it to your best. The left brain does it to the best of its abilities. Okay, it's designed for one specific thing. It's not designed to be in touch with reality. It's designed to make plans. And so it sits there and it makes theories and plans. It becomes the ultimate redditor. And Jung noticed this. Jung noticed that the, the architecture of the schizophrenic's delusions were often religious in nature. The architecture of the schizophrenic's delusions often had a sort of coherence, a hero's journey, a set of archetypes that it was following. He noticed these weird patterns. And he didn't think they were trivial. And I don't think they are. And this is sort of like, maybe you could imagine it as like the left brain's default plans, you know? It's default patterns. It's default way of, of figuring stuff out. It's, it's quite an interesting idea. And like to, to further drive this home, this is like I am shooting from the hip, but I'm not shooting from the hip with a, like with a bazooka. Like I am, there is actually some very fine-tuned stuff to show some of this stuff is real. Constructional apraxia, if we were to drop in some jargon, is when one half of your brain gets hurt. Okay, so you have a, maybe you get a bang in the head and your right brain gets damaged or you have a stroke and your right brain gets damaged or likewise with the left brain. You can actually ask people to draw and if your right brain is damaged and only your left brain is drawing, you tend to have this problem where what you draw is delusional and out of touch with reality. It's one-sided. It's unaware of the other side. Now, what's freaky is that the 
other side, if you get your left brain damaged, you only have your right brain, you are able to actually manifest reality in an approximation of what it looks like. You can draw, you know, the star here. It won't be as intellectually sharp, perhaps, as if you had the left brain helping you out. But it's still, like, you can still make out what he's drawn. You can still make out the form. You can see it here. And the left brain's damaged. Yeah, that's a star. That's a house. That's a box. That's a squiggle. But then when you watch what happens when it's only the left brain by itself, you get this thing that literally can't see the other side. It's unaware, like what we would assume the ego is doing and it's stuck and it's trying to make and it would probably completely think this is a perfect star because it can't see the whole picture it's stuck trying to make this little scar star it can't it, it's it's out of touch with what's actually there it can't see everything which is frightening you know you see this as, as well in artists who have this same problem they have right hemisphere strokes and they go from being able to paint you know beautiful coherent formed pictures even with the, the emotional expression correctly and then they try try paint after the injury and what happens is you have one side of the face, the emotional expression kind of seems a bit off or weird, and it becomes almost like abstract art. That's strange. So it's like this left brain is this abstracting, model-making sergeant general, and this right brain is forming the role of completing the picture. Okay? Very weird stuff. Very weird stuff. But of course, what is it to be schizophrenic? It's, it's to be... In sort of, in some sense, having an abstracted, fragmentary view of the world, and often when you talk about paranoia and people having delusions and all that, it tends to look a little bit like that problem of they're trying to make sense of what's going on. They're trying to get their best grip, but they can't because the left brain's not capable of doing what it's not designed to do. Very strange stuff indeed. Now let's talk a little bit about art because i got a lot of these ideas from a video by thoughts on thinking on his channel is modern art schizophrenic and i recommend you check out that video it's a very 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 good video very there's a lot of these concepts that are talked in detail and with some some technical words such as for example the the loss of ipsiety the hyper consciousness that i was talking about here and and what that means and all these type of things i re really recommend you check this stuff out but one thing that he points out that I find so interesting in the context of what we were talking about earlier about the Greek myths and the function of the Greek myths is that um, they, you know, the Greek mythology had this ridiculous, um, you know, silly idea that like, the, you know, there was all these characters and they're called the gods, something so irrational and un, un, un Darwinian and unscientific, or so, so pseudoscientific to suggest that out there is a world full of swelling energies that formulated the, the, the actual nature of reality that we can barely see that's hidden behind a veil. What a crazy thought. But of course, when people had these myths in place and they were going to their theatres and connecting with these myths and allowing themselves to get in touch with these strange, silly, delusional, unreddit-approved stories, what you had is people getting catharsis, people getting a healing off them, people getting their... It's almost like, I don't know, maybe this these myths would call up the trapped energies outside the, the, outside the little watch of the, the rational left brain and allow these energies to get, to get purged and allow maybe even a connection to be re-established with what we would call the felt experience of the body, maybe the realm of the right brain. Who knows? It might be a way for the, the, the culture to subvert the ego and get in touch with the unconscious. And that was, of course, a very, very healthy and good thing that the Greeks had in place that they naturally hinged upon. Now, of course, 
Art then forms the responsibility of a free healthcare system when done well. But of course, our art doesn't quite have the same oomph as what they had. You know, our art, our art looks a little bit different. Our art looks like there's something kind of wrong. And what Thoughts on Thinking noted, and what he's, he's collecting a lot of the studies on this as well, is that our art actually looks a little bit like the schizophrenic perspective of the left brain that is withdrawn inside itself and lost touch with the right brain. What a crazy idea. Now, the parenthetical suggestion to everything that I'm saying is that you can, in fact, reclaim your mind from a lot of these disorders through getting getting the right brain back online, which I would suggest is being done in akin to what the Greeks do with their struggles and pains and realities. They turn it into art. They dramatize what's going on. They repossess. They reown their reality. They reconnect with their reality through the felt experience of dramatic emotions. You stop trying to rationalize what happened to you by slapping yourself with labels, and especially labels loaded with the concepts of good chemicals and bad chemicals. But of course, I'm just a boyo, and I would never suggest anything so radical and silly and simple as that because it's very 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 naughty so that's not what I said instead I'm going to talk to you about how modern art looks a little bit like someone stuck in a schizophrenic frozen prison and of course as we said the left brain it's its thing is is it makes it makes these little models of reality that you can act in it makes these little fake realities that you can act in and these these are useful these are useful proxies for taking on the world they can be useful simplifications but of course they're not useful if that's all you believe the world is and that's a bit of an issue and i i don't know this is again very shooting from the hip perhaps the left brain has this built-in mechanism where it it, it knows it maybe it knows that it's incoherent when it loses touch with it 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 forms this pattern of incoherence that starts to freak it out so you you get shocked into this withdrawal state and you're you're like what's going on what is my reality is my mission create um correct and then people start saying oh you're a paranoid schizophrenic now and all this you have all these theories and you start to develop a, a propensity towards scary emotions and you start to believe i live in the matrix i live in a fake world i live in a cartoon and all this and if you look at what happens with um, modern art since we entered in this very very left brain society you see surrealism show up you see these weird like like what's even going on here you know you're taking something that is classical and formed and you're shoving a pitchfork through it and it's 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 not it, what this art is doing and here you see like this typical modeling abstract cubic mind this objectifying mind of the left brain coming in here and thoughts and thinking points this out in a very very interesting way and it does it does look like something that is kind of scary and that's actually precisely the point it seems like the point of this art is to evoke out of you a shock okay now think about the difference between the right brain when the right brain right brained michelangelo we probably would he probably had seven right brains in there all right and he goes up to a big rock in the back garden and he looks at the big rock and he says and this is what happened to him he, he frantically he's like oh my god there's an angel trapped in that rock and he runs with his 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 little chisel and he chisels it out and that's the statue of david that sits in in rome and he's or sits in Italy and he's he carves out this statue of David and the the statue of David in his mind is a angel a living being and the art itself after he crafts it out is actually alive 
because he's in energetic connection with the world and so this rock is not some dead rock it's actually something that is alive and he's he's after making something come to life and so it's a whole living being that can live for itself and that's the sort of goal of the art Jung noticed this as well in himself that he would get this urge to just make stuff and he'd go ahead and do it the red book is an example and it almost lives as a thing by itself and this sounds like you know on reddit to be like that's just the most pseudoscientific thing I've ever heard Sam Harris would just be like dribbling with foaming with aggression at this his dopamine cycles would just be like shooting off like fireworks he'd be so mad but of course this is what all good artists will tell you this is what all holistic artists will tell you they're trying to make something sort of complete in and of itself whereas if you can imagine this left brain art here the goal here is to actually trigger something in you it's the goal is to trigger a shock in you the goal is to actually be like morpheus and wake you up from the matrix and be like all is not right in the state of denmark the goal is to try freak you out the goal is to make <gasps> happen to you it's the glitch in the matrix effect and this is the sort of purpose of modern art and you see the intention inside of it and it looks like the left brain trying to i don't know is it trying to challenge the the, the shape of the world or something like that i'm not quite sure i'm not i'm really not quite sure here but i i, I have a smell of a, a sniff that i'm onto something and you look at the way le um, modern art manifests itself in all its different degrees and it's it's like something alien has come in and it's trying to f make things weird and freak us out whereas you have something holistic and formed and in and of itself you even go inside it and it has an energy and a presence and a, a grandeur but this is like it's like some type of space rock smashed in and it was like some type of futuristic um like it, it, there's there's no care like it's just this big long straight line in fact the the most unnatural shape in nature is the straight line and that's of course the the power of the intellect and of course that would be most centered on the sergeant who executes and participates in the world with the the the, the exactness of of the left brain and perhaps this is what we're seeing here it's like the left brain run amok thinking that it can make stuff when all it can do is sort of add a parodic twist on what is already there it's it's quite a strange thing when you think about it and it, it is quite scary and, and even more scary than this is the the propensity towards the left brain for the delusion of its purpose remember when i said on reddit those people caught up in these rationalizing spirals these theories writing on their on their little uh, blogs and, and talking to each other and reassuring each other everything's all right and everything's good these people are always caught up in this sort of idea about charging forward into the future and and doing the the the, the great goal and uh, the great master plan you know this is always what's going on here and i noticed this quite a lot in in people who would have things what we call insanity or schizophrenia or even for example the girl i was speaking to she had this problem with self-harm but of course she's very disconnected from a body where a lot of these energies are coming up taking her over like i was saying but when i talk to her and she's presenting this philosophical perspective of herself she's consistently talking to me about the crusade she's on to take on the 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 sauron that haunts the world and that's of course very very understandable we all get into that but of course that's something that would be very akin to what we understand the left brain wants to do the left brain wants to sit down and be like what is my mission what is my way that i can overcome this fallen fake disastrous reality and this hyper consciousness starts to see yourself as the heroic individualist the neo stuck in the matrix 
And I know this is sort of, The Matrix is such a cool movie, but I'm sort of subverting its message. It's like your propensity towards seeing yourself as this isolated Neo in a fake world, a fallen world, a a bad world. And your job is to try take on the world yourself is actually looking a little bit like the madness that so many people get infected with. It's all weirdly woven together. Whereas, of course, the right brain and the juicy right brain would see itself as participating in a world of flux. And perhaps, of course, seeing itself as an individual but in a vastly, vastly different way, seeing itself perhaps as a vessel for something more important and higher to conduct its will through you. Do you think Michelangelo said, I, my mission is to turn this stone into a perfect uh, left-brained abstract piece of art? Or do you think to prove a point, to shock people, to get all those other individuals to feel the shock factor that I feel? Or do you think he was sort of, he was possessed by this energy that ripped up out of his unconscious and impressed itself in the stone and said, Michelangelo, you little bitch, do what I tell you now. Make that thing go... Get, get, get that thing and take take that stone and shape it into this angel and he says oh my god yes oh my god I'll surrender to this energy that's coming out of me a much more different perspective and this is a very 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 heretical perspective because this subverts individualism this subverts heroism I am a hero I and even the Jungian stuff you know oh you're the hero's journey are you I, my purpose, my manifesto, you know, and you, you talk to people who are into progressive movements. Like, it's a great argument to point at something like Marxism, you know. It's this idea that, like, this left brain sergeant plan, that the world is not good enough and we're going to make it to a better world. And then, look, it's actually kind of beautiful in the sense because it's coming from an emotion, a, a desperate emotion to try and make the world a better place, which is absolutely fine. But, of course, it looks so much like the manifesto, the schizophrenic mission that ends up fall turning into disaster when you sit there and you're walking up to the girl and you're theorizing or I'll just say this perfect line and it's all going to work out and then finally when you get there and you say it and it doesn't work out your delusions are crushed and you, sh- you you realize you should have been more humble and of course that's fine when you're talking to a girl but that's something else entirely where when you charge towards the top of a state seize it and then end up genociding most people who you're after you're, you're, you're promising to save then you're st- into something quite frightening and of course these great regimes they often have the characteristic and I'm not just saying the Marxist like the capitalist as well they have this characteristic of extremely paranoid weird not making sense sort of super societies you know the the 1984 society it, it looks like some type of paranoid schizophrenic fear that you like a prison that you're living within it looks like a matrix that you're living in which is weird when you think about it and it's 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 something that's present in across all of this stuff it's very very strange and so we, we, I wonder, I hypothesize, I shoot in the dark here from just a boyo who doesn't know anything about this stuff at all. I shoot in the dark that this, this, from our traumas and our shocks, do we have this problem where we retreat inside the left brain, which is the ego, which is this little prison we, we create for ourselves, which is nobly trying its best to figure out what's going on and end up making the, the malicious mistake of distrusting our instinctive right brain, which then improves prisons us in some type of weird paranoid manifesto which can lead us to do incredibly intense decisions with our life and then we're still victim to this right brain because it's not like the energetic world just vanishes it's like you lose touch to it and then the energetic world will start to try and form you through people it's like bro you are not in touch with reality and then your emotions will come up and steal you and it's like bro you're not in you you aren't even reality you're just this fake a jargon creating thing hanging off the top the top left side of your head you know 
And I wonder, is this malaise, is this, is this shock that the left brain is trying to inject into you, trying to wake you up to something? And of course, let's have a discussion about the nastiest, screechiest German incel who has ever existed. Because maybe what the Nietzsche was, was that type of shock factor that you were getting. Maybe Nietzsche was trying to, to wake up the West towards what was happening. Because as you can see, what I'm trying to propose here is that obviously the Greeks had in place something that allowed them to deal with these, these madnesses a lot better. Foucault talks about this too. There was a more coherent web of mythological stories that held together the minds and did this very, very passive job of of purging out negative emotions and subverting the ego and giving people a context to understand themselves that wasn't so individualist and isolated and as as i'm proposing here delusional and schizophrenic and of course this this perspective is is is, is incredibly important but of course we went through chaos with the industrial revolution and the rise of the rationalistic enlightenment science we went through an absolute chaos that ended up ripping all meaning out of the sky and turning the universe into of all things a dead machine with no energetic and original and living qualities very left brain this and that a model that you can kind of shape that has no meaning no purpose no place no no nothing a empty dead cardboard box and that that is what we exist within and the consequences of that led to the the deracinating power of capitalism to suck the soul out of absolutely everything in our society and the the alternate being joining in a socialist hellhole where you literally are paranoid of your own daughters and sons because they might they might like send you to the gulags or something like that and we, we got stuck in this very strange double bind and of course we all became political individualist voting our democracies where we think we have to choose one of these double binds but what if it was all about having a perspective and Nietzsche was trying our best and he knew he was sort of fatalistic he knew that no one's going to listen to him but he was trying our, his best to to act as that little that little glitch in the matrix to try snap you out of it and to try snap the left brain out of it and be like bro you're in trouble you're not going the right direction you're kind of withdrawing into yourself into your total prison your total matrix where you think you have everything figured out where you've made a coherent model of the world but it's only a delusional model of the world maybe he's trying to do that to the entirety of western culture because of course before that all happened you had this idea of this weird bloke called god like what a silly idea there Richard Dawkins, Twitter me, like, I, let's just, let's bash those fools out there. And of course, what is this big idea of the big G? It's such a silly nonsense idea, man in the sky. <laughs> what do you think, what do you think, you, where do you think you live? Do you think you live in your, like, family house or something like that? What do you think's going on? Have you ever looked up at the sky? Do you ever see men in the sky, yeah? Yeah, maybe you're the schizophrenic, yeah? And so... You, you think about this silly idea of the man in the sky and maybe we'll try respin this with the more right-brained perspective and say, well, of course, the world out there that we have to get in through our senses and get in touch with, it has energy. And I've said this before, you know, energy is a weird thing because if you're a musician, you'll realize that there's harmonic mathematical orders in energy. And of course, you can't be left-brained about it and say that I'm a great musician because I know I know the harmony and all that. I've, I've studied the harmony. You can't be a theoretical musician. You need to engage with it and get an embodied experience of this harmony but what's weird is that if you do engage with it and you do get an embodied experience of this harmony and these rhythms these laws music sounds beautiful and you look through classical music and you'll see these really cool things for example of like uh, fractals or you've probably heard of the golden mean and all this type of stuff and it does seem to sort of be there as much as you would as much as you you don't want it to be there it is and so 
you have to understand that there was thousands and thousands of years where people were kept on, you know, getting in touch with the world out there and they kept on coming in contact with this sort of strange um, emergent order in the chaos. They're getting in touch with the energetic felt word and, and things were just working and making sense. And it's like, what? what is this? Are we crazy? And I guess they sort of centralized in this idea that there's a sort of order that holds the world together. There's a sort of way that the world works, a logos, a logic to the world. Out there in that world of energy, we can't quite grab it and put it in a left brain box, ironically, because that would be that would be madness. But we can we can get in touch with it. It is there. It's something we can get in touch with. And and, and a musician can theoretically go and read it and say he doesn't believe in it, but he, he in order for him to do his job, he has to be in touch with it. And that's quite important. And of course, what happened, it seemed, is that, that that idea was an essential idea to understand and get in touch with. And Nietzsche believed this. He said he, he often said that he was mad sort of at the, the way that Europeans understood God, the way that the West understood God, more so than the concept. The concept, he believed, was an essential concept. And it, it actually evolves throughout all of history and whatnot. And we are going through this sort of death of God thing. What seems to have happened is that we, our left brains, took over and started to see God is a silly man in the sky, a nice piece of jargon that, of course, what the left brain loves doing with jargon is attacking it with dopamine. And it attacks this dopamine thing and then it does what, weirdly, is so common in these schizophrenic breaks. It withdraws into itself and it denies the nature, the energetic nature of the universe, absolutely. And it sucks inside of itself. And so Western philosophy, Western thinking, Western politics, Western religion, Western everything, everything. You, you think that you can escape this. You cannot. Everything. The whole paradigm shifts and we withdraw into a Western prison, a Western matrix, a Western left brain schizophrenic break. And maybe that's why when you look around at the art, just as we started entering modernism, just as industrial society started to kick off, all of this stuff started to appear. It was like we were going into a panic mode. And really soon after this, really soon after this, you had massive traumatic wars. Now, what are massive traumatic wars going to do? They're going to destroy our ability to believe in the energetic world, having any type of nobility or anything to it. After World War One and World War Two, it was destruction of all virtues and values, nothing at any point. Nihilism grips and takes hold. And then eventually we sink deeper, deeper into this idea that there's no religion, there's no God, there's no afterlife. I just saw every single guy I grew up in my, in my, my town die in 20 minutes running towards a machine gun for, like, I don't even know why, for what, my, 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 my nation, what even is that? And we, 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 the energetic world stings us and we go, we, we get traumatized so heavy and we're trapped in this schizophrenic prison premised on the idea that all things are evil and they're trying to kill us or something like this. And it becomes this frightening thing. And you start to see Nietzsche as that guy who um, like unbelievably called all this before it happened. We, we, we look like we're, we literally look like a schizophrenic civilization unable to cope with some type of trauma. Maybe that trauma was industrial, the, the Industrial Revolution, and then it was worsened by the variety of the wars and then obviously the reactions such as communism and radical capitalism and all that. A quote from James Joyce is that history is a nightmare from which I am trying to awaken. And it's all really, really weird stuff. And Nietzsche does a brilliant, brilliant job by saying that, well, the issue, the issue was that you had all these these Christian priests 
gathering into these institutions that favoured their left brain. And over an extended period of time, this turned Western society and philosophy into a giant pity party of left brainism. And that set us up for this fall. Who knows? Maybe that's true. I, I'm not quite sure. You start to get some really, really into interesting conclusions. But if you look sort of at a group, at what's happening to us as a whole, you start to see that maybe in some sense, we are turning into Gnostics in the weirdest sense possible. We are starting to have this idea that the world is, is fake. And you see this now in the sort of elite intellectuals. They keep talking about simulation theory. They start saying stuff like the universe is not real or, or the world is fake or it's all a simulation. It's all made up. It's a matrix designed to, to fool us. And you look... Maybe that's true. My job is not advanced philosophy here at all. My, my job is to talk to you about psychology. Maybe that's true, but you could look at it in that since we started getting these weird perspectives on the world, since the Industrial Revolution and all that, and we started to imprison ourselves in a contextual world made up of some type of silly left-brain plan that's essentially like Reddit. If you gave Reddit the, the rights to build a religion, this is sort of what it would form. And we perceive in that something is wrong deep on an emotional level maybe our collective right brains all feel that that's wrong and are trying to wake us up and it's filling us full of this radical anxiety and panic and and shock and that's why all our art is flashing at us like something's not right something's not right something's not right and of course we take that energy of something's not right and we project it into this idea of well what we've got to do is do the next socialist movement or do the next capitalist radical capitalist thing and invent the next innovation for capitalism that's going to fix everything and we get caught up in these left brain dopamine spirals that are leading us literally leading us to pandemonium and hell and we will probably enter in another one soon enough for all we know and really we think and then we're starting our intellectuals are starting to think that like oh the, the world is ruled by the demiurge and what you see is Nietzsche acting as this character who's trying to wake you up He's trying to snap you out of it he's like Morpheus trying to snap you out of your own the own prison that you made in your own head all right? And this is the god Shiva, the destroyer. Because this is what's so scary for us, is that in order for us to be free and actually get back in touch with reality, in order for the schizophrenic to get back in touch with reality, they have to let go of their ego in the most cynical sense. They have to allow themselves to get back in touch with the world. And that's so hard because it hurts. And there's all this built-up tension and trauma inside them. That, that makes them afraid of this. And in order for us to do this, we have to let, 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 let ourselves be open. We have to become the yoga bitch and, and admit that we don't know what we're doing. And th like all our theories and our plans, and even as Nietzsche might say, our, our moral impetus and all that is useless. It's actually a prison that's causing more pain and suffering than anything that we propose that it's saving people from. And if we are to in any way think that we are doing philosophy right or psychology right or just being a person right. You need to start with the premise that to live is to experience the world. And if you miss that, if you miss that Dionysian experience of actually participating in the world, you lead yourself towards serious delusions and a fake life and a life that you hate. And the key to that is actually the art of ultimate destruction all your elaborate palaces and plans are nothing they're pointless they're they're delusions they're literal schizophrenic breaks and you could all you need to do is just get back in touch with reality this is what buddha says this is what alan watts says this is what nietzsche says get absorbed in what's real 
Of course, if you think what's real is a set of jargon in your head, you need to come to the Colosseum with the boyos so you can get battered around in front of everybody. Because your problem is probably coming from the fact the reason why you're having all these terrible experiences, the reason why going schizophrenic in this society is so horrible, the reason why going insane in this society is so horrible, the reason why having a, a weird alternate mental state is so horrible and such torture for people, getting diagnosed as one of these things and getting loaded up on drugs is, 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 is terrifying for people. And most schizophrenics are in a situation where they're saying, I don't believe in these institutions. I believe that I'm not sick. I don't believe I'm sick. Now, of course, I think that as I'm trying to describe here, perhaps they are, perhaps they do have something wrong with them. But of course, they, they might be onto something where an industrial society that is filing you through a mental asylum, like you're some type of pig stuck in the conveyor belt of a slaughterhouse, or you know, you're know you something that can procedurally, procedurally be turned back to normal with a big dose of chemicals, is a little bit scary. It might not be on point. It really might not be on point. And if you really want to help people, wouldn't you be willing to destroy all first principles and observe things for what they are from that energetic right brain, right brain perspective? And maybe we can take some compassion on everybody involved with this because I don't think there's some evil demiurge I don't think so. Yeah, he paid me to say that. I don't think there's some evil demiurge at the at the at the top of all this. You can imagine that since the industrial revolution, we have fallen into this left brain problem. It was a quite a shock for us to go from growing up with a load of people we'd meet and and you know eating farm animal foods and and participating in the world and being in touch with nature it was quite a shock for all of us to be shoved into cities all, all at once and all of us losing connection with the earth and now we walk around and everything's concrete and technology we actually don't have any connection to grass we don't our feet don't touch the ground we don't walk out in the sun anymore the people we live beside we don't even know that's a that's a massive shock for people that's a very very hard thing to deal with and that's what's triggered us to spiral into this direction and in some sense maybe maybe there's some conspiracy behind it for all we know maybe it's type of paranoid problem but maybe it's actually an issue a really difficult and complex issue that we are trapped in history we're trapped in this part of this story and we must actually engage with this part of the story understand our destiny in order to find our way out maybe we are literally stuck in a religious level problem that's been going on for 250 years and that purpose and that meaning you're looking for is actually there it's just that you're not allowing yourself to look and so all of this leads to a very simple but sophisticated thesis. And this is my thesis. We must access our right brain. And I know you are all festering there, smashing into your comments. It's like, Steph, that's jargon as well. I am no, no, I'm being eaten by the Frankenstein that I've created. Okay, certainly you have me. You've got me. I'm going to close comments from now on. You've got me. That is jargon. You're damn right. But of course, what is so beautiful about this perspective is that it is it is the the uh, Ouroboros of jargon because it actually, its entire thesis is about undermining jargon itself. So wrapped within it is its own conquest, its own paradox that completes the, 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 the demiurgic system gets destroyed by its unbelievable sophistication. Yes, of course it is jargon, but we know that jargon is something that the left brain lusts and loves. And you see this quite a lot with Jungians, you know, Jung points us in a very similar direction of what I'm talking about. Access the right brain and get out of the left brain if you want is the exact same thesis as there's this ego and there's this unconscious and you need to integrate the contents of the unconscious best you can into the ego. It's a very similar idea here. The right brain is almost like this 
other presence inside your head that is more in touch with the broad scale nature of reality and you need to develop a sophisticated relationship with this and if you get trapped in your ego you leave yourself exposed to a litany of different problems and now we're starting to dis discuss the neuroscientific nature of this ego as we're talking about and this is actually a genius thesis and Jung was intuitively hitting on this stuff building upon what Freud did and what Nietzsche did and giving us something that's practical but what I always notice is that people read Jung and their left ring gets stimulated by these really cool pictures and they pick up the words and then they walk around and mean like I have integrated and individuated so I'm probably like 20% there yes I've I've actually achieved a 20% individuation there last week and whatnot oh yes I integrated my shadow the other day it was an amazing experience and whatnot um, oh that sounds like your anima over there oh that sounds like your anima is coming up and all this type of stuff and they and they, they, they will go and read it and they'll write all these big paragraphs about Jung and all this stuff and it's don't you see it's the jargon is the danger the jargon is that ego coming online and we must subvert it and this is precisely it. You have to try get out of that inauthentic, unreal, abstract, conceptual reality of the ego and let yourself get back in touch with the channels inside your own head that are always there, that are in touch with the world and in touch with your nervous system and strangely in touch with your dreams and all that type of stuff and your creativity. And this all comes down to a simpler approach. An approach you've heard a thousand times before in all the Instagram feeds from the, the yoga girls. The yoga girls are wise in ways that you don't understand. And that is that you've got to just get involved in the moment more. The first problem for most of us is that we don't, we live an abstract existence. Why? Well, I've already said this industrial revolution was absolute hell for us. And what we did is we, 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 we now live in these, like if we tune into the moment, if we do Eckhart Tolle and, and become a Buddhist like everybody is doing, because this, this, that stuff is all great. And we get in touch with our reality we realize that there's like gray it's matted everything is dead everything is artificial we live in like a basically an alien spaceship that's dead a dead alien spaceship but then if we open ourselves up and go to nature and, and feel how alive those trees are the wind rustling through them everything is alive and living and it feels like the forest and nature is a being that you're a part of and you're integrated into and that's a rare ex occurrence for us and that's a rare thing that we get to have and th this is what we we were actually designed for this is what our nature is designed for we are pagans at root and we've lost that and we've fallen out of nature into these civilized prisons and we have shut ourselves off from that and become abstract and this is not a good thing for our our, our, our relationship with ourselves this is an extremely serious problem and in some sense we're trying to tell you people are trying to tell you and many different people are trying to tell you I'm just giving my own spin on this that you need to get back in touch with that felt experience you need to get back in touch with that if you want to in any way free yourself from the litany of problems that this drama inside your head can cause such as traumatic stress disorders anxiety and panic maybe even schizophrenia who knows and it all comes down to a simpler approach. And the thing is, is that it's been said to you via the Buddhists, via Alan Watts and all that. But as Jung pointed out, you're a Westerner, or most of you are anyway. And you can't achieve what the Indians and the Hindus and the Buddhists achieved via their tradition. You just can't do that. You have to do it your own way. And what's so interesting is that though the West is took its time, you have people like Ian McGilchrist building on the shoulders of geniuses like Jung and Nietzsche and all that, and actually getting us now to a place where we have a 
psychological paradigm to create something was what what you could say a a psychological practice or a spiritual practice of some sort and it is about yeah get in touch at the moment it seems to make more sense and it's it's coming from that western perspective as well it's beautiful and it's simple and it's lucid and it's exactly where i'd like to push you and it's all about getting in touch with what is real your felt experience what is real the felt experience of the world around you the felt experience of the people around you the the, the engagement with them in a sense-orientated way, the destruction of your abstract mind, and of course, diving into your nervous system in the realm of how it feels, the sensation base of your nervous system, instead of the abstract reality that you create in your head. Don't think about your emotions. Don't abstract your emotions. Don't call your emotions an anima. Don't call your emotions a shadow. Don't call your emotions these type of things. Don't call your emotions the complex you have towards your father. Don't. That does, that, that's not what they are. What they are is energy fizzling through your body that you have to feel because your nervous system is what you are and you need to get in touch with that. You really need to develop a relationship with that. You need to get into the right brain, which seems like it's more tightly woven with that. Okay. And so this is what I've been doing. And precisely with this girl, this is my, my approach towards this. It's not a one size fits all. It's a general tool that seems to work because of course our massive brains being split in two is a very, very, very simple but sophisticated problem. And if you learn how to deal with that, you can undermine quite a lot of problems. Now, sometimes there might be chemical issues with people. Sometimes there might be certain brain structures that are bad and all that type of stuff. But in general, this can help in almost all situations, I'd imagine. And this is the approach I take. You come across someone like this girl who has an abstract existence, who's out of touch with who she is, who is rationalizing what her emotions are, jargonizing what her emotions are, and you try to help her get back in touch with that, try to help her get back in touch with the felt reality, and, and it pulls up an immense amount of tragedy and pain and anguish and all that, and you, you sit with them and you walk them through this, and it brings a catharsis. It's like when you go to the gym and you stress those muscles out with heavy weights, you walk out of the gym and there's this warmth afterwards, this release. The body is happy, and this is precisely what you start to experience with people as well. This is precisely what people get. You get that release in some sense. Now, I would love in some, time, at some point in the future where we start to make you know, boil movies, proper, like doing the Greek myth thing, get the theater side of the thing up and running again properly, because that's the sort of mass solution. This is the final solution to this in some sense. This is when the we, we, we reinstantiate that whole religion that we're talking about. But we can't necessarily consciously do that, as Jung pointed out. We, we have to see, we have to be led to that. We have to get the procedures correct in some level. And it, I guess it starts with you getting in touch with your 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 your, your more magical side, the, the artistic right brain, the, the creative right brain, the artistic right brain that feels things, you know, the felt experience not o is not only the sensations, but also the colorful imagination. They're all tied together in this weird unconscious right brain other thing in the other side of your head. So that is that is the big the, the big conclusion that I'm trying to push here. I think it's a very, very fascinating angle. I think it's grounded in some very, very strong science. I recommend you look all this stuff up. I was, as I've said, Ian McGilchrist and all these guys, they're, they're geniuses. And um, I'm going to leave it at there, boyos. Um, I'll try... Uh, I'll try to leave it there. I'll try to just drop the mic and walk out and see what happens. If you want to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can pop down and there'll be a link in the description and probably the top comment, which will get you a call. And then we will talk about what we're doing sessions together. And you can hop on the Boyo program and we'll, we'll, uh, I'll run you through the crash course and how all this stuff works. And we'll do it with you. It won't just be some theory. We won't jargonize. We'll actually go through the motions. We'll go through these big experiences of getting that catharsis and releasing all that inner energy, getting that 
right brain online so it's like roaring at you like magic dreams in the middle of the day so you're walking around being like oh my god why did i do this i can see the demiurg everywhere and if you want there's also the premium podcast for the boyos on the uber boyos site the the membership site all right so if you want you can listen to that now i must make an announcement because for a while ago i did the red book video thing and it's kind of gotten glitchy there's something wrong i'm a bit boomer tech all right so what i'm going to do is i'm going to re-record that that video series as a podcast i'm going to update it all i'm going to do it as one podcast that's going to go even more in depth because since i actually made that i've from doing all these one-on-one sessions i've learned like so much in the last three months it's been like this you know it's been like accelerating a hundred percent all right so i'm going to um actually do that again i'm going to redo it i think it's going to be even like high the highest tier i've ever done on anything i'll say it'll be how to make your own red book perhaps or maybe young's complete guide of individuation or maybe the update or my take or the sort of the take of how young expects you to individuate clashed against all this right brain stuff as well and we'll see where that goes so that should be coming soon enough i i i know i'm not uh, one for deadlines but i'm going to do it after i publish this so it should be soon enough we'll see hopefully this weekend we'll see what happens and then lastly if you want to um, pop into my telegram channel i will be taking premium questions from the boyos who are members and I might be answering them on the Telegram channel as a little audio clips if you want to listen into that. So you can pop into that stuff as well. And the email list is another place as well. There's a lovely, <laughs> lovely laconic uh, short history of psychology on the email list. That is the first email when you pop into it. So I recommend you you drop in there if you want to see something quite interesting and uh, very, very juicy. And um, my, my, my radical first take, my radical short history of psychology. So thank you very much for everything, boyos. Check out all them links. I hope you enjoyed this. Boyettes, thank you very much as well. And I'm going to play us out with a song and stay redacted, juicy. Boyo, redacted, over and out. Redacted, redacted, redacted. The left brain is redacted, a redacted, redacted. <laughs> All right, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye. Hold on, let the scene unfold. But I'm not listening. You would not believe what I've just been told Wisdom says sacrifice Fury says you're worth more than life I hear don't look again I feel my time's running out And hold me back, oh I Had it up to here, Eddie with this jargon Then hold me back, oh no I Had it up to here, had it with this jargon, babe Two choices on my mind We're screaming destiny away but fury has me blind All I see is a fiery hate Wisdom she says my boy no Please hold back there's nowhere you don't go But I'm not listening I feel fire roaring from my soul and then hold me back, oh I 
hide it up to here, heady with this jargon, and hold me back, oh no, I had it up to here, heady with this jargon, babe. My heel is bleeding out, her beauty took me from my pain. I see clearly now All gone for eternal fame I slept so gently Into a sleep that never ends Wisdom says to me Your story is not finished yet, yet and hold me back, oh, I had it up to here, had it with this jargon. And hold me back, oh, no, I had it up to here, had it with this jargon, babe.